maybe I could have got some sort of, you know, like corporate gig with an economics degree, but I knew I didn't want that. And so in terms of, you know, staying in the nonprofit world or, or making the shift, um, I got close to tripling my income. Hey everybody, this is Sean from iCodeHireMe.com and this is episode number three of the iCodeHireMe podcast. On today's show, we have Willie Rady. Last year, Willie went through the Full Stack Academy curriculum boot camp and is now a software engineer. Uh, Willie, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm excited to hear your Learn to Code story. Thanks for having me. Take us back to when you had no idea what coding was. How long ago was that, and what were you doing? Uh, I guess that was two years ago, and I was a park ranger. Yeah, so I was, I had sort of hated all the jobs that I had had since college, and so um, was spending the summer at Crater Lake, and then um, was also writing at the time, and one of the articles I wanted to write, uh, I wanted to build this like simulator, um, and learned pretty quickly that Excel has its limits, and so started to pick up Python. Um, and that was, that was sort of my first, first experience with coding. What was the simulator for? Uh, so I'm a huge NBA fan. So I was writing about my hometown team, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and so I wanted to, at the time, there was a lot of discussions around uh, the NBA lottery, um, which for those that don't know, is sort of like a probabilistic way to decide which teams get which pick in the draft. Um, so I wanted to to build um, to build a sort of uh, use a logit function to assign all the probabilities for the draft, and then simulate the past thirty years of drafts to compare how the current system with the system I was proposing would have been different, um, and what incentives it would have created, and all that kind of stuff. So basically, you were trying to do this in Excel and, and hit a little bit of a wall. Yeah, um, exactly. Nice. So how did you first start learning Python then? What, what was the, your next steps there? Yeah. So um, well my from that point, my uh, journey to learn how to code was a little disjointed because um, that was about a month, month and a half before I left to go travel uh, abroad for a year. Um, so I, I started learning Python just with like um, online tutorials and um, the very, very simplest of Euler problems. Uh, and then um, went abroad and didn't didn't wasn't able to continue learning much um, while I traveled. But I knew I knew I was hooked. Uh, and so I when I got back, um, I I started talking to all my friends who are in the industry, um, asking them like what I should learn, what would be the next steps, like how do I how do I go about doing this? And all of them um, recommended sort of learning web development languages, so JavaScript and Ruby and that kind of stuff. Um, so I sort of set Python aside, started picking that stuff up, um, and then uh, just, yeah, kind of fell more and more in love with it until I, I felt like I had enough skill and um, had sort of explored it enough to sort of dive into a boot camp. So who did you reach out to um, that was a software developer to get that insight from? Did you have friends or um, did you just reach out to people uh, online somewhere? Yeah, well, my sister's boyfriend uh, is a developer and had been for like uh, close to a decade. So he was a he was a really good resource. Then I had a friend of a friend who had recently done a boot camp, so I got to talk to him about his experience. 
those are the, the, the two main ones that, that I, I found most helpful. Just, just one trying to get a feel for sort of like what's valuable and, and, you know, software engineering is pretty big field with a lot of different skill sets. So I wanted to know, um, kind of what skill sets were valued and also what were sort of the ones that, um, wouldn't require a CS degree. So that I, I got sort of that insight from, um, from my sister's boyfriend, uh, who had been in the industry for a long time and then sort of wanted to get somebody's perspective, uh, firsthand on the, the trade-offs with the bootcamp. Um, and so, so got that from a, a friend of a friend who had, had gone through one. So basically at this point in your life, you had done a few, a few jobs after college and you still really weren't sure what industry or career you wanted. Um, and this one, the computer science seemed like a, a pretty good option. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went to college thinking I would do like physics and chemistry, like hard sciences, and then ended up hating research. I hated being in the lab. Um, so after that, I switched and studied economics, uh, which was a lot of the same, I don't know, same, the thing I enjoyed about physics and, and chemistry was just sort of being able to describe the world with numbers. Um, I felt like I had some, some skill and some natural ability in that. So economics is largely the same thing. You're just kind of describing a different, different part of the world, I guess. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. I, I really enjoyed my studies, uh, but when I got out um, and started doing nonprofit work, I was doing sort of financial education and workforce development programs. So all, all like economics related concepts uh, in a really um, sort of working with an organization that was doing a lot of really good things. Uh, but most of my actual job became a lot of uh, sort of like project management. Um, so I had, I had lost touch with all of that analytical problem solving. Um, and it's sort of like abstract reasoning. And uh, yeah, I just got bored. Um, and then the other thing that I realized was I, I was pretty miserable at my job. And so um, the thing that I, I enjoyed more than, than my actual job was my hobby, which was writing, um, writing about basketball. Uh, and just the ability to sort of have an idea and um, run with it and research it and then decide like how you're going to present it to somebody. Uh, I loved all of those challenges and all those questions. And I really enjoyed sort of having a product at the end. Um, maybe not something physical, but something tangible. Uh, it's like a little like Marxist in a way, the whole you know, alienation from product or whatever. Um, so yeah, so I, I was really enjoying that. And, and when I started coding to me, it was, it was, kind of one of those aha moments because I really felt that it was, it was combining those two things. Um, you know, you get, you get to do a lot of analytical problem solving, um, but then you're sort of building something that you had a, a random idea for and you can, you can show people and all those questions about when you're writing, you know, like you've got to do the research, figure out your own thoughts. And then you also have this challenge of how do you present it to somebody else and make it so it's understandable. I feel like you, you have those same challenges in, you know, building software because you have to, you have to figure out the data model. You have to figure out how you want it to work, but then you also have to figure out like what UI to build and how somebody else who doesn't have all this information that you have is going to interact with these concepts. Um, mm -hmm. And so to me, it was just the, this marriage of getting to build something and then also getting to solve uh, like analytical problems. 
I haven't looked back. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's a, it's pretty amazing being a software developer and you can build anything you want pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's as kind of as like close to magic as we can get. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever did you ever build that simulation? Yeah. Nice. Do you still use it or no? <laughs> no, I mean, I wrote an article about it um, and sort of moved on to the next thing, I guess. So when you reached out to people that went through a boot camp, what was it that made you realize that a boot camp might be for you? Because it's, it's a huge time commitment and pretty big financial commitment usually. Uh, so what was it that really convinced you? Um... I guess, um, well, to me, a boot camp was a pretty good fit for my, I guess, learning style. Um, I tend, I tend to do pretty well with um, kind of like high intensity stuff. Um, so I, I felt like I was pretty confident that I could be successful at it, um, and that one of my flaws is that I struggle to to really focus. Um, I like, I like doing a lot of things, so it's tough for me to sort of put other things aside and focus on one thing. Like right now, I, I just started playing d and I'm taking guitar lessons, I started dance classes, there's like a bunch of stuff that I'm trying to do all at once. So I, I knew that um, a boot camp would be something that I could do well at and that it would sort of force me to put other things that I was interested aside and really, um, really dive into this. Uh, so that's, that's sort of why it appealed to me. And then like, my only question was, you know, is it, are they, are they successful? Like, do they actually do a good job of, of preparing you? Um, and I don't know, I did, I did a lot of reading before I talked to, to anybody, um, seemed to me like there were kind of two classes of boot camps, broadly speaking, I think one class that's pretty difficult to get into that requires you to have uh, a decent amount of prior knowledge before you can can apply or have a reasonable shot of getting in and that those have decent outcomes in terms of hiring. And then there's a second group of boot camps that are sort of um, have fewer, fewer expectations before you get started, but then like don't take you as far um, as, as, and then because they don't, they don't go as deep, you know, have not as good outcomes for hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one of the main, one of the main, probably the two main things that made me feel good about full stack was I was able to show the curriculum to a bunch of different people. Um, and full stack was one of the founding members of um, CIRR, which now can I remember the acronym? I think it's like council on integrity and results reporting. Which so the boot camp industry has uh, is pretty new, pretty unregulated. Um, so the CIRR is like a group of um, boot camps that have voluntarily agreed to have outside accountants um, verify all their hiring numbers and commit to sort of standard definitions of what it means to have a job and um, to be in industry and all the all the types of things that boot camps can fudge to to get their rates, you know, in the high nineties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the fact that full stack was one of those, one of those boot camps and, um, was sort of taking a lead in, in being transparent and accountable with, with their results, uh, made me feel good. Um, 
And then I read, uh, I mean, I don't remember exactly what the company was called, but there was um, there's a, a startup that was doing uh, like recruiting and hiring in San Francisco. Um, and they would do sort of like resume blind interviews. So they would interview um, developers and then just based solely on the interview, they would decide whether they passed or had not passed. And then after that, they would look at their resumes. And um, So what they did was they took a random sample of like a hundred bootcamp grads and a hundred um, CS majors and then compared. So they, they only knew this after the fact. And then they compared sort of how they were graded on the test. Um, and everything that I had heard was sort of echoed by that pseudo study, I guess you could call it, where the bootcamp grads um, did just as well and sometimes better than the, the CS majors in sort of like um, writing readable code, writing um, reusable code, sort of just like code quality um, and doing any sort of like front end work. And then the, the CS majors were, were kind of far and away better at sort of low level architecture and um, sort of like algorithm based thinking. Um, and from everything that I had, I had talked to people is, you know, like those, those skills, low level architecture, algorithm um, stuff are super important, um, but often they aren't used in sort of like web development contexts. Yeah. Um, so I felt that a boot camp was gonna that study, and then all, everybody, everything I talked to, I felt that a good boot camp. If I got into a good boot camp, it would prepare me for a subset of the software engineering skills, which would be enough to make me qualified to be a web developer. Um, and that more or less has turned out to be true. I'm assuming Pulsec Academy costs money, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did yeah. The- did the price tag scare you off a little bit or how did you justify that? Um, well, I'm, I was very lucky in that, um, I had support from my grandparents. So I, I came out of undergrad debt free. Awesome. Um, so I felt like I had a lot of flexibility, um, and wasn't scared to take on a little debt. Um, and I mean, in terms of, in terms of, my earning potential, um, I knew that software development was going to be uh, pretty far and away uh, a lot more than than everything else I was looking at. I mean, I'm, maybe I could have got some sort of you know like corporate gig with an economics degree, but I knew I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, in terms of you know staying in the nonprofit world or or making the shift, um, I mean, I I got close to tripling my income. Wow. Through this whole thing. So that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, I think a lot of the boot camps try to sort of make it sound like a silver bullet. Um, and I would say that I have been lucky enough to do better than most of my classmates. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of an anecdote or a data point of one, um, it's worked out, worked out really well for me. When you graduated from Full Sack Academy, you put in all this money, put in all this time. Are you feeling pretty good about getting a job and life's going to be easy? Or how does life look like post-graduation? 
Sure. Well, my, my situation was a little bit unique in that I stayed on for a second 13 weeks as a, a teaching fellow, which is like a teaching assistant role. Um, and that was really great because I just got, I basically, I forget, but there's a bunch of research, I think, that shows when you talk about like retaining information, um, learning it, you usually retain like something like 40%. And then if you teach it, you retain like 70 or something higher. Um, so I got the opportunity to sort of teach the next group of students or, or help teach. Um, that was one of the things I really liked about Full Stack is some, some boot camps are sort of like entirely TA taught. Um, and Full Stack has uh, a mixture of, of full-time teachers who have been in the industry for years as well as, as TAs. So I got to, to sort of assist with lessons reinforce all this stuff that I had learned and then also had just a bunch of time to work on my own personal projects. That was, that was when I built the simulator. Um, yeah, but, um, after that, uh, I, I mean, I think the main thing is that, um, and this is something they really emphasized to us is that your, your job search is a full-time job and it's, um, it's just as intense as the program. So I think a lot of people, sort of push through to get through the program, burn themselves out and then like need to take a break. And, um, I was, I was fortunate in the sense that I, I was able to sort of keep a pace that I knew that I could extend into my job search and sort of continue it. Mm -hmm. Your break was almost being the TA. Yeah. Yeah. I know in a sense, um, but yeah, I mean, I was still working, Similar hours, but a lot less pressure, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so that worked out really well. Um, and yeah, when my job search started, um, we did a hiring day. Got to talk to some companies. Um, felt felt prepared for all of those conversations. And um, uh, yeah, my my job search was 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 pretty successful. Uh, so I felt I felt pretty prepared. How long did your job search take? Um, well, I guess it depends on how you define it. Um, I think I got my first offer two weeks out. Wow. And, and um, that's not normal. Though. <laughs> I, got, I got very lucky. And then, um, I started, uh, I started doing some contract work for, um, the startup that I currently work for, um, uh, about a month out. Um, and that was because the CTO of this startup is a, a former instructor at full stack, mm. uh, just sort of had that, had that connection. And then, um, yeah, the contracting thing just, uh, worked out really nicely and, um, it was a good fit for me. It was a good fit for them. So, uh, after about a month of that, I, they, they offered me a full-time job. So did you turn yeah. down that first offer or what happened there? Yeah, I turned down several offers. Okay. Um, Why is that? Uh, well, I guess it, it depended on each particular company. Um, but I knew that I wanted to, um, well, so, so the first one, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, very excited about their product and I wasn't very excited about their culture. Um, it felt a little, uh, tepid to me, I guess. Um, so that was that one. Another one, I felt like their engineering team was, uh, 
too young. Like their most experienced engineer had been, had been with the company for three years straight out of college. Um, and the vast, they had like a team of like 15 or 20 engineers and, and probably 80% of them were in their first, first year out. Um, so I knew I wanted to work, have the opportunity to work regularly with people that knew a lot more than me. Um, cause I think, I think like a boot camp, even a good one, the best you can expect from it is to get you like just good enough to get started. Um, and obviously it's really nice that when you get started, you also get paid, <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is the learning. I still feel like I have a, a lot more to learn to become sort of a well-rounded engineer. Um, so I knew I wanted to go somewhere where, where that engineering culture, um, and the people I would be around would like continue to push me. Um, yeah, so those were, those were the main reasons I, I turned down offers were sort of just, I was really focused on uh, the engineering culture and the, the quality and experience of the people I get to work with. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I think a lot of people that graduate from boot camps or um, teach themselves how to code don't necessarily think about it that way, and they they'll just take the first offer they get. So that's pretty pretty awesome that you had the, the options to turn offers down and, and really get what you were looking for. Yeah, the other thing that I, I was certainly like very lucky is that. Um, the other thing that that fellowship teaching fellowship allowed me to do was to start networking, um, during those three months. So I, I was as a teaching fellow, you got a stipend. So I didn't, I wasn't sort of rushed. Um, and I, I had a lot more success and I think I enjoyed it more because the networking at that time, I didn't actually have to like ask somebody for anything, if that makes any sense. Like I didn't, I wasn't asking somebody for a job because I wasn't going to be looking for another, you know, six weeks or however long. Um, so I really just got to talk to people and ask them about sort of what their company did, how they handled code reviews, what were the things that in their career that they found to be really meaningful for their development, like what would they look for in a company um, just starting out as a junior developer. Um, so I got to, to pick people's brains um, in a way that was um, less felt like less extractive almost, if that makes any sense. Like it wasn't, yep. wasn't trying to get them to take my resume. I wasn't trying to get them to like put in a good word. I just got to, I just got to sort of get a sense for what was, what was out there in, uh, in the Chicago tech scene and, um, and what, what wisdom people had picked up. Um, so yeah, I think my, my experience was probably much easier than most. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of those factors went into that being the case. What would your number one piece of advice be for, um, new developers looking for their first job? I guess it would be to try to network as much as possible. Um, pretty much all of the, all of the companies that I applied to that I didn't have a connection at, um, I never even got an interview. Um, so all of my best leads came from, came from connections. Um, and then, yeah, really, um, I would just focus on that engineering culture, um, for, for a first, a first job specifically, as opposed to sort of like what the product is or how interesting the problems are. Um, 
or even, you know, like how many perks the company has or whatever. Uh, I guess those would be my, my two biggest pieces of advice. Uh, and, and the big benefit to looking for engineering culture versus necessarily, necessarily the product is room for you to learn, right? And, and learning under people that you know are really smart in software development. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, I got it. I got uh, some advice to that. The the one thing you want to really avoid is your first job as a junior engineer is to be learning bad habits and not know it. Mm. Uh, so, I didn't want to go somewhere that um, was sort of rushing or um, hacking together code and. I mean, it's a little ironic because I, I say that and I work at a startup and we definitely do that sometimes, but um, I really I really believe in the, the other engineers here. And I think we're, we do a good job of sort of explicitly making decisions um, about when to, when to like thoroughly test something and when to not and when we have to put something together quickly to get it in front of people to see if they like it and when we're building a feature that we know is going to be central and um, do it really well and all those kinds of things. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was, that was to me the biggest thing. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be learning bad habits and not have anybody tell me that they were bad habits or to be picking up the bad habits of people around me. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like you've landed in a pretty optimal position where you're at yeah i mean i think uh definitely definitely you know there's trade-offs with everything i think yep. <laughs> you if you didn't believe that you wouldn't you wouldn't be a software engineer <laughs> uh, so working for a startup as a first gig has definitely had trade-offs like i think um if i was working at a, a larger company um that moved slower and did did some things um i would I would be writing more tests more regularly. Um, I would be learning. There would, there would be probably more robust sort of continuous integration practices, those types of things. Uh, but the benefit has been that I, I get to work on so many different kinds of problems and um, get to wear a lot of different hats and get to, to tackle problems that I imagine are, are sort of usually beyond this, the scope of most junior engineers. Um, and our engineering team is like three and a half people. Um, and just getting to work with those people so regularly and like the quality of those engineers, I think has been a good trade-off for me um, so far. But yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely like startup, big company, a lot of trade-offs across there. I think that's probably one of the main things to think about um, as sort of what you want. Do you want a lot of process? Do you want to be moving quickly? Do you want to have the opportunity to work on a lot of different stuff? Or do you want to, do you want to sort of be expected and, and given the time and space to do a few things really well? Um, but yeah, I, and I think to me, I would, I only, I honestly originally like didn't want to work for a startup. And the only reason um, I took this job was because I had so much faith in the engineering team. 
So I think the the smaller the company and the less process they have as a junior engineer, mm-hmm. I think like the more you need to know about the people. Um, and and because I had got I was I had contracted with them for a month, I felt like I had a lot of a lot of information in terms of how they approach problems, how skilled they are, um, how we'd work together. And what are you working on mostly um, at your job? And what does the company do? Yeah, um, so I work for uh, Freight. Um, so it's it's a freight, but it's spelled F R A I G H T. Um, so our our company is, is um, using AI uh, to automate a lot of the freight brokerage um, conversations that happen. So I didn't know any of this stuff when I started, but um, <laughs> if you're like a factory owner or a company and you need to ship something from your factory to you know a store across the country you might know a few a few trucking companies and call them and say like hey can you take this on thursday from maine to georgia or whatever and they're liable to tell you like oh i'd love to but you know i'm in california right now um and so instead of you know the factory owner spending all day on the phone calling a bunch of different trucking companies what what they'll do is he'll call a broker the broker will give him a price on that one phone call and then the broker's job is to spend all day on the phone to find a truck driver who will take that load for less than the price that he quoted the shipper. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of those conversations are super transactional. You know, they're like, Hey, we got a load from here to here. Do you want it? Do you have the right equipment? Do you have the right insurance? Great. Okay, let's go. So with that kind of transactional conversation, um, we think that we can automate a lot of that, Um, which would mean that uh, to do a hundred loads, a broker might need, you know, 25, uh, 25 people because the average broker can manage about four loads with all those conversations. And, and we think that we can, we can manage the same number of loads with fewer people. Um, so that's, that's sort of the, the problem space. And what that means is um, we, we build software for our brokers to, to manage loads. And then we're also, um, you know, have the long-term vision of, of building these sort of, uh, AI chatbots that can handle these types of these types of conversations, um, and so that means right now um, collecting a lot of the data in a in a structured way and, and preparing for those for those kind of machine learning problems in the future. Yeah, it sounds like you're on the leading edge of some technologies. Uh, that's pretty awesome, right out of a boot camp that you get to work on things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's it's interesting in the sense that you know it's it's all a process, so. Um, Definitely not doing much AI stuff right now, but just just realizing how much work you have to do before you can even get to those problems. Like what state the data has to be in before you can really you know, use any of those machine learning tools or, or all that kind of stuff um, and how much data you have to have. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's been pretty interesting because it, it has a, a lot of interesting software challenges, but then we also have to, be building the business at the same time to have the scale so that even if we're collecting the data in the right way, we have enough of it to then be able to make all these things that we want. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting setup and it's, it's cool how much interaction we get um, between the engineering team and the rest of the business, uh, because pretty much our only users are our own employees. Like the people who use our software are the brokers that, that we work with mm-hmm. and they just work down the hall. So, I mean, I have, pretty un, unparalleled access to um, to the 
the users of the software that we build. That's awesome. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, so that's uh, pretty fortunate. Yeah, so it's been great so far. Well, awesome, Willie. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, um, what's the best way for them to find you on the internet? Um, I guess probably LinkedIn. Um, I think it's it's William Rady. I'd be happy to chat. I'll find a link to that and, and post it in the show notes or something. Great. But great. Yeah, this has been awesome. Uh, sounds like you've had a pretty straightforward path to learning to code, but you landed in a really, really cool job. Sounds like you're doing some cool stuff. So thanks for chatting with me today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, John. It's been fun. If you enjoyed today's conversation, head over to icodehireme.com where a few of us are hanging out and helping each other learn to code.